What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bid DeVoe. You're truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. I am Ian Levanza. Hey, y'all. This is your girl, Latoya Luckett. Music and features from a woman's perspective. Intriguing conversation. The Swag Award. Espresso. The Mocha Mix. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. This weekend, we've got political analyst Angela Rye. She talks about growing up in a home with political activists. Plus, we'll talk about Trump's criminal reform bill. But first up, write this down. Urban Skin RX. We're talking to Rachel Rolfe about her skincare line and what it does for skin of color. Welcome to Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Joining us is the principal and CEO of Impact Strategies. Saw her on CNN just the other night. Angela Rye. Hello. Good to talk to you. I almost said peace. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Angela, you know you are, girl. Um, I, before we even start all this, I just want to say thank you for all that you are doing. Your outspokenness is something that's needed. And um, you're also educating the culture, especially these youngins. So um, happy new year to you. And uh, Angela, let's get it going, Angie. Okay, so <laughs> yes, right. I need to jump right into this criminal justice reform um, is it going to get signed and who gets covered by this? Are, are all our cousins and uncles going to get out of jail now or what? No, I mean, I think the reality of it is, is there's still a lot in play. Um, when you have criminal justice reform measure, it is definitely closing the gap. Um, right now, there are a number of members of Congress who've introduced legislation um, to get rid of private prisons. Um, you already may recall when Donald Trump first got into office, one of the first things they did was rescind the Department of Justice memo that would have stopped the utilization of private prisons, period. And instead, um, you know, they they wanted to continue to fund their friends' contracts. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things that um, members of Congress have done, they've, they've introduced legislation to pre prevent the utilization of private prisons. There's also legislation to end the cash money bail system. Um, and I think that's also equally important. So there are people right now pushing to ensure that those pieces of legislation will also be included um, in this particular measure that, of course, uh, passed the Senate and the House now. And so there's a process called the conference, and that's when there are two bills that come together to meet um, and, and come up uh, with solutions for any of the differences in the legislation, any differences in policy. And so I do want to say kudos to my good friend and brother, Van Jones, who's worked tirelessly on this effort. Um, there is a lot of work to be done. Um, kids don't need to be tried as juveniles. I think that death, the death penalty needs to be abolished. There's so many things left to do. But this act was called the First Step Act, and that's the reason, right? It's the first step in the right direction. I would say one of the maybe one or two things that Donald Trump has done right, and thankfully it's not been... Um, something that he has necessarily had the ability or the foresight to lead on, but he was listening to the people and the advisors around him, including um, Jared Kushner, and I believe his dad would be a beneficiary of uh, this kind of a measure. More with Angela Rye coming up. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha on the line, principal and CEO of Impact Strategies, and our girl, Angela Rye. Um, you know, there was this success of women in the midterms, um, overwhelming success. Uh, what do you feel that it, it will impact our community? Well, um, so first I want to say thank you to our community. 
the reason why there were so many successful black women, um, Native American women. Uh, we have uh, the first Native American woman elected to Congress, um, two Muslim women. Uh, the reason why we saw so many of those successes is because black women turned out and they did so disproportionately. And again, our community regularly comes in to save uh, the Democratic Party and once again has done that. Um, I think that what we should be doing as a result is not just to sit on our laurels and say, hey, we showed up, we did great, but to see how we can engage in the process to ensure these people who we've elected, um, whether they're white, black, brown, Asian, Native American, also are held accountable to whatever our policy agenda is. So I think it's incumbent upon the black community to say, what is our agenda and how do we move the needle on this? Um, these folks are paid, um, we call it public service for a reason, they're paid by your taxpayer dollars. So when you engage an employee, you don't just give them a job description and wish them well, you regularly hold them accountable. And so there's another step to this whole civic engagement thing that has a lot to do with making sure that after they win that election, they, they hear from us and we say, this is our agenda, this is what it looks like. Whether it's $15 an hour minimum wage, whether it's family medical leave, whether it's ensuring that there's a health care uh, system that works in this country that, that, that Republicans don't continue to try to dismantle, um, or whether it has to do with other ways to shore up personal economies, access to capital for businesses. We know black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs. How are we ensuring that that group doesn't just grow, doesn't just open its doors to business, but can stay viable and continues to grow and employ people in our community? Because we know that small businesses are the largest employers of folks within their own communities. And speaking of um, criminal justice reform, also um, offering jobs to those who are reentering society. It's Cafe Mocha. We're talking to Angela Rye. Speaking of all that good stuff, looking to this year and then to 2020, you know, they're throwing around names for who's going to run. Who do you think should run for president on the Democrat side? You know, and to me, this is it's less important that we talk about who should run and more important to discuss what they should be running on, right? Mm. That same agenda that I was just talking about that we should use in holding our elected officials accountable should be used in the primary process. I hope that there is a robust primary on the Democratic side. I think we saw what happens when there isn't one um, in 2016, right? Every, I think all of, I know I believe, Okay, it's Hillary's turn, right? Like, mm -hmm. she already, she mm -hmm. lost to Barack Obama. Yeah, I didn't believe that it was her turn then. I believe that it was his time. And, it's, and then with the Bernie thing, I was like, you know what? It's just time now. But if it's truly somebody's time, there should be no issue with them being properly vetted, right? There should be no interest, no issue having a robust uh, debate and a discussion on discourse on public policy issues that we all care about. So I really hope it's really big. I don't know if you all remember, of course you remember, but the 2016 primary for Republicans, there was 11,322,786 people running. <laughs> I hope that's what yeah. we have. Um, just so that we really can, you know, go through, like, you can pick somebody based on whether, you know, whether or not y'all's favorite color is the same and on criminal justice reform, you all believe in the same thing. You know, if they're your sign or not. Like, you know, I just really want us to be able to have a truly robust process with debates where people can only answer one or two questions and then it gets, you know, slowly the field narrows. So I know that doesn't answer it direct, but, you know, there are some people oh, for sure yeah. that I'm hoping run. I can tell you for sure 
Um, I'm always inspired by Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. Um, I love the work that Eric Holder has done with the redistricting commission. Um, We saw some of that work pay off and be truly meaningful for us this um, past midterm election um, this fall. And so I think that there are a number of people doing really, really good things. Um, I know there's a lot of hype around Beto. And to me, I'm not that familiar with him. I think he's smart, especially in the way that he's building his like grassroots advocacy organization mm-hmm. or grassroots organization. And it's truly become a, like a household name. And it's I mean, it's just interesting. It says a lot about, you know, his ability to appeal to people. Um, I also think it's equally fascinating that two people who ran statewide, Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum, mm-hmm. um, haven't had the same buzz around them, even though their margins for their victories were within, you know, the tens of thousands of votes, whereas Beto lost by mm-hmm. 11 percentage points to Ted Cruz, right? So I think that's fascinating um, that these the two black candidates aren't being talked about in that way. So it's kind of interesting to see. It's Cafe Mocha on the line, uh, CNN analyst. Angela Rye, um, you know, they were talking about this whole Facebook situation because we're talking about the, the, the elections and that came up across to my mind about how the Russians um, made these pages that influenced African-Americans. And then now we're finding out that it's being reported that Facebook has um, actually uh, sold, uh, given away our private data to third party uh companies should black people just get off of facebook uh, should everybody <laughs> um you know i don't know i think that there's um there's utility and there's value in these social media platforms and honestly you know when you think about the ways in which social media has democratized access to information whether it's us organizing after trayvon was killed mm-hmm. or um, you know, being able to organize a family reunion or talk up to people about when the election is coming up and who you're voting for and why, or making sure that, you know, somebody can record a video and be their own in-house commentator. They don't even have to be on CNN, right? There's, there are ways that um, social media, regardless of the platform, have democratized and ensured our access, our unfettered access to information. I think that with every negative piece, right? There's something there's something positive and vice versa. So I don't know that I would completely eliminate um, Facebook from the social media equation. I know that now older folks are starting to use it a lot more. No shade parents, but they stay on Facebook, my mom and dad. Okay. Um, and you were like, for real. And so I think that what, what we should do is just like what Reverend Jackson uh, did with Nike um, or what... Dr. King and Reverend Jackson did together with Wonder Bread in Memphis the day before Dr. King was killed. They talked about um, a strategic boycott, an economic boycott. And so whether it's, you know, activating around ensuring that they actually are representing our best interests, if we're going to continue to spend our time on there with them to collect dollars and whatever else, I think that there are ways that we can hold them accountable. Um, whether that's ensuring that the number of people on their corporate board is more black and brown, um, whether it's that their executives finally look like the face of America. There are a number of things that we can do besides just like cancel Facebook. Um, And so, yeah, I think NAACP has a series of demands that are in alignment with some of the things I just mentioned um, that maybe we should consider first, Lonnie, before we just log off forever. (laughs) (laughs) It's Cafe Mocha on the line with CNN analysts. 
Angela Rye. So Black History Month is coming up. Can you talk yes. about the legacy of your parents? Um, yeah, so I am so grateful to have two great parents who um, not only established um, a legacy of their own, but also ensured that I knew the cultural traditions and history of my people. Um, my mom and dad, my, my mother is a retired school, um, college administrator um, who was on affirmative action commissions and women equity commissions and all of these great things. Um, but her work was still far more discreet than my dad, who is a very loud and proud activist who still carries his bullhorn in his trunk. <laughs> um, a local activist where I grew up in Seattle, Washington, who was instrumental in the renaming of Empire Way, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, Boulevard, and also um, changing the name of King County, which was originally named after a slave owner to Martin Luther King County. And those are just some of the things he's done. He likes to brag that I was um, I was in my first protest when I was two, which was against apartheid. <laughs> and while I don't remember, nor did I have a choice, I'm grateful that my parents thought it so important that before I could make my own decisions, that they would take me to, to um, be involved in important community activism moments just like that. Um, it has truly shaped my worldview. Um, my dad named me after Angela Davis, and I don't I don't even, I, people would normally say, those are big shoes to fill. I am not even trying to fill the shoes. I just want to be a part of the type of change that she's, you know, been so instrumental in establishing and creating for our community. Um, so if I could just do a fragment of that, I would be so elated. Um, but yeah, truly, truly great. Um, not just cultural tradition, but who they raised me around and how. Mm -hmm. um, when people say it takes a village, it was truly a village. It still is truly a village. I feel like they're still raising me, even though I'm 39. <laughs> um, but, you know, learning every single day and just grateful for that. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. We're talking to CNN analyst and principal and CEO of Impact Strategies, Angela Rye. Uh, how did you become an activist, Angela? See, and I don't even know that I would call myself an activist. I feel like um, I am a person who has been raised by an activist, and I try to engage in strategic social change and social impact work. But I feel like activist is like a title you earn. And what's so funny to me about that is there was one point where I so didn't want to be an activist. I was like, I'm going to law school so I can be an advocate, not an activist. In my <laughs> mind, that was the far more strategic version of that, right? And I think over time, I really learned that I underestimated the amount of work because of how familiar it was to me, mm -hmm. right? Like my dad would wake up in the morning and be organizing protests and marches. And because I didn't want to do that aspect of activism, um, I felt like, oh, you know, well, there's a more strategic, there's a long game here we need to play. There's a more strategic piece of this. And the reality of it is those things go hand in hand. We can't have one without the other. If it wasn't for the people out there marching regularly, protesting regularly, organized and boycotts regularly, we would still be set back. Now, I know some of the listeners may be like, hey, this dude in the White House, we already set back this. We back about 50, <laughs> 60 years. That may be true. It could be even worse, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, I think about all of the ways in which, you know, I talk about it. I think I'm learning to be about it more and more every day. But I'm inspired by the work of so many in the community who do this, not just for a living, mm -hmm. but for 
the sacrifice of what could have been their livelihood, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I would not say, I think I'm a strategist and an advocate and I think I have yet to earn my, my activism stripes. <laughs> what do you say to people right now that are going through this, this situation? This president is exhausting. Mm-hmm. What can we tell the community to get through this period? Yeah, I think that's such a good question, first of all. I think it's really, really important if you haven't learned the definition of self-care yet to figure it out. And not by figuring it out by looking it up online or, you know, or, or by searching a hashtag, but like really figuring out how you can feed your soul, right? How you can nurture your spirit, how you can take care of yourself. Um, Lonnie, the word that I chose this year... Um, I I pick a word. My cousin told me she picks a word every year, so I tried it this year. My word was freedom, mm. and it it I can't even tell you. To me, it was just like, oh, I want to be a part of liberating my people. What I found out over the course of this year is that not only was I hardly free, but that I couldn't free anyone until I was truly liberated myself. And so, you know, can I do economically the things I want to do? And and for the most part, politically, yes. But spiritually still, even on a soul level, you find that you're carrying the weight of things in your ancestral memory, things of the past that you never knew how to release or that you even needed to release Mm -hmm. um, or baggage that, you know, things that happened to you in middle school or whatever else. And while you're carrying all that stuff around, it's a form of bondage so you can't truly be free yourself. And so what I learned is in order for me to be a part of that type of movement for the community, I have to first be free myself. And the first step is self-care. You have to take care of yourself. You have to know where you are mentally and emotionally and spiritually. It's just the first frontier. So if you think you're going to be a service to anyone and say, oh, I don't have time to do this for myself because, you know, I'm busy doing this and that for somebody else. At some point, you're going to suffer burnout that may be irreparable. And it's not worth it. you got to take care of yourself. I truly believe So he is that. exhausting. Go to therapy. Get a spa day. <laughs> what, take a walk on the beach. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Like, turn the news off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Get off of Twitter. Yeah. It might be a Russian talking to you anyway, okay? You in a text battle, a tweet battle with somebody that ain't even here. <laughs> That's not even here. And it's a bot. You know, wasting all your little time. All not worth time. it. Angela, how can we keep in contact with you this year? Um, definitely on social media. So I know you wanted me to boycott, but it's not right now. Um, so definitely stay, <laughs> keep in touch on An- it's Angela underscore Rye on Twitter or Angela Rye, all one word on Instagram. I don't really know how the Facebook things work, things work like to share because I don't accept any more friends, but there's a, like a community page, I call it, not a fan page where you can also um, hit like and you know I'll try to do a little better at responding to Facebook comments. <laughs> uh, Facebook, oof, Lord, them people. I know. Thank you so much, Angela. It's always a pleasure to talk Thank to you. Thank you, ladies. You. I appreciate it. It's Cafe Mocha. Joining us on the line is the founder of Urban Skin Care Solutions and sponsor of 2018's Salute Her Awards in Charlotte. Uh, her name is Rachel Roth. Thank you so much number one for understanding what it is that Cafe Mocha does and wanting to be a part of it. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, no, I'm so happy to be a part of the movement. I love it. So you're the founder of Urban Skin Rx. It's a national skincare line 
that is in Target and quite a few other places. Plus, you have a med spa in Charlotte. Tell us how you got started. Yeah, no, I mean, I grew up with a lot of skin issues, severe acne, really overweight, super self-conscious, and knew I wanted to dedicate my life towards um, helping others going through self-image issues. And then when I got into the industry and saw that there was no inclusivity um, for all skin tones, it was really being ignored by the clinical skincare world, I decided that I specifically wanted to focus on the needs of tan and darker skin tones. So kind of a brief um, background of how I ended up where I am today. Wow. I mean, you know, we, we just have sort of been going out and getting the infomercial stuff but but now we have something that is custom tailored to us and when you say to skin of color what are the special needs of skin of color I mean one thing I know is that in the summer I'm super oily and then in the winter I'm so dry you could freaking I don't know what I'm just like flaking so what are some of the issues that are specific to skin of color hyperpigmentation hyperpigmentation and hyperpigmentation so like all skin tones deal with dryness oiliness um you know, acne, sensitivity, but the most common concern that I see in tan and darker skin tones is that when you get an injury to the skin, such as a pimple and ingrown hair, it leaves a dark mark, you know, also known as hypopigmentation. So what Urban Skin Arts does is we're a very large line. We have over 30 products for all different concerns, such as acne, anti-aging, etc. But we always ensure to put a blend of Six different ingredients, Um, we call them the clear tone advanced technology, which always work on keeping skin even toned and fading hyperpigmentation. So that's kind of the extra distance that we go to be truly aligned for melanin rich skin. We're talking to Rachel Roth. She's creator of Urban Skin RX. For those in Charlotte, you can get a personal touch at her Urban Skincare Solutions Med Spa. For everybody else, just stop by Target. We're talking about taking care of skin of color. More coming up. Talking to Rachel Roth. She's the founder of Urban Skin RX. I love that. I mean, you know, my skin may be clear, but any little pimple gets on there, it's leaving a mark. (laughs) So I, I appreciate that you have us in mind for that. But let me talk to you about the energy that's been pumped behind this brand. I mean, Eva Marcel, uh, Next Top Model found you guys. There's a lot of a lot of celebrities on board. Can you talk about her yeah, involvement? No, with I, lo- I love, I mean, I love my regular clients who aren't celebrities, and I love my celebrity clients. Yeah, we service Eva Marcel, we service Tiana Taylor, Tasha Cobb, Fantasia, I mean, lots of people um, fly to see us, drive to see us, use our products, come to our medical spa. So, you know, in addition to having the skincare line, 12 years ago, I opened an, a medical spa and laser center called Urban Skin Solutions that was one of the first skin and laser centers really specializing in purchasing equipment that was safe for tan and darker skin tones, having estheticians and medical practitioners that were really educated and had the experience of dealing with darker skin tones. And so, you know, through, you know, word of mouth, people would seek us out and it's been a blessing because if it wasn't for those celebrity clients spreading the word on Instagram, like who knows where I would be today. And um, basically, you know, 
through all this amazing success, we landed a contract in Target a year ago, and next month we're launching in 1,700 Ulta's, and February, February we're launching in 500 um, CVS's. So it's been just a blessing to see that something I was so passionate about that a lot of people, you know, didn't necessarily believe in, you know, it's catching on and really, truly making a difference in the world of skincare, becoming just an equal opportunity industry when really it hasn't been. So um, for those of us who can't get to Charlotte and we can't get to your urban skincare solutions uh, for a real treatment, what should we be doing with your products? Give us one or two little quick tips. Yeah, so if you, you know, don't have a lot of money or you're just not ready to invest in Urban Skin RX, some just great skincare tips is, you know, wash your face every night, um, you know, clean off your cell phones, which we have glued to our face. Don't touch your face. Don't pick up pimples. Um, wash your pillowcases. And number one, wear sunblock daily. A lot of people still don't realize, regardless of your skin tone being light or dark, um, UV exposure is only getting stronger with the ozone layer being depleted. And sun exposure makes dark marks darker. It makes your pores larger. And it ages you. So if you're pale, dark, wear your daily sunblock. So if you're in Charlotte, make an appointment at Urban Skin Care Solutions Med Spa. Otherwise, look for Urban Skin Rx at Target. On the way, let's get political with Angela Rock. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is The Espresso. Centoya Brown was a 16-year-old prostitute when she shot and killed a John in fear of her life. The story has been controversial for years as America has become more sensitive to the sex trafficking of underage girls. Finally, all the protests have worked. Tennessee's governor tonight says that requiring Centoya Brown to serve 51 years before she's up for parole was just too much. She'll be released from prison in August after serving 15. Ellen stood up for Kevin Hart after he was forced to step down as the host of the Oscars. CNN's Don Lemon now appears to support Kevin after a one-on-one -on -one conversation and this apology. I'm around people of the LGBTQ community mm -hmm. and I'm now aware of how these words make them feel and why they say that shit hurt because of what I've been through. So then we say, hey man, as a group, let's erase this shit. We don't talk like this no more. Speaking of Kevin Hart, the new movie, The Upside, is in theaters this weekend. And that's The Espresso. I'm Angelique. Coming up, get your workout on with the Mocha Mix.